Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. The Monday after the Super Bowl, Colin. It's it, it's a low point for all football fans. Officially, no football that counts until the end of August. We've got college football coming up here, some spring practices, some spring games uh, in the next month or so. Um, we're not going to rehash the game last night because I feel like we have to give something to talk about on Thursday when we record oh, Canton Bound. Very, it's very gracious of you. Thank you. So I'll ask you a uh, non, non-game related question. What do you think of the halftime show? Um, I liked it. I think the my biggest problem with it is they had too many performers. Nobody really got to like perform their songs. You know what I mean? It was just like little snippets. Um, and, you know, so I kind of wanted to see first halftime show. I mean, okay. They always do snippets, but they don't have like six people doing different like bits, you know? Um, I, I just, I, I think it would have been better if they had picked like, you know, three people to do that. You so know, you prefer, they... you, you preferred kind of like the Maroon five halftime show to this woman. No, Based on those words, that on criteria, don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> I'm feeling feisty tonight. I don't know if you I noticed can, this. In I can tell show yeah. or not. Yes, um, I can very much tell. Um, no, I just I think that five to six performers was a lot, and yeah, I enjoyed it. But I think I would have enjoyed it more if we could have gotten to see more of each performer. It's I, I might get flamed for saying this. I don't think we need a Mary J. Blige there. Personally, I didn't really think she added that much. I get, you know, just like having like a bunch of dudes up there. Like maybe you want to mix it up a little bit. I don't. It didn't seem like she really well, she, like. I think she, she fit also, in with. She also reaches a broader audience than I think uh, some of the re- like some of the rest of them do. Like I think Mary J. Blige is more. Her music is more like universally, like liked. Like just to listen to it. Um, I mean, I think everybody can appreciate how good. Dre and Snoop and Eminem and those other guys are, but they and that type of music may not be for everybody. Mary J. Blige, unlike unlike Maroon Five, yes, for everybody, yes, Maroon Five. So we're back to that again. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, You are a lifelong Rams fan. I am a lifelong Maroon Five fan. I knew it. Yes, as a lifelong Rams fan, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, and can't bound for anybody that hasn't listened to can't bound the past couple of weeks. I, pref- I, I have admitted finally that I'm a lifelong Rams fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was quite happy to see them take it. Um, so a quick question for you with, you're not allowed to think about this for more than a couple seconds here. Who plays in next year? Never Super Bowl? do. I'm going to say chiefs and Rams lazy answer lazy it is answer. yeah like it that. absolutely is but it's also the safe bet this is also the exact same two teams that i picked uh picked last year <laughs> if you say it enough times it's gonna happen <laughs> it's Colin. gonna happen <laughs> i'm gonna say bills and buccaneers and the bucks have some souped up brand new fancy quarterback i don't know who it's gonna be yet rumors that they're looking at deshaun watson again i'm sure we'll talk about that on thursday but that's my prediction I'm sticking to it uh, at least until the middle of September. Um, at least until okay. like August. 
So that was our our two minute rundown of the Super Bowl. All of our thoughts um, rolled into one there. Um, I guess let's talk college football now, shall we? I suppose so. I think okay. it's what the people let's are here it. for. Yeah, why not? It's Valentine's Day. Um, yes, it is. Do you do anything for fun for Valentine's Day, real quick, before we go in? Um, I don't, we I don't, let's keep it PG. <laughs> we went um, out to eat on uh, Saturday night. Uh, we nice. had a couple people over on Sunday for the for Super Bowl. Um, Becca doesn't get off work on Mondays until seven, and then obviously we record here, so we have a small window there. So we exchanged, you know, small gifts tonight, uh, and then we we had dinner on Saturday though. So we don't really do Valentine's Day. We're probably gonna go out later this week um, to like a little Italian place we like that you can you know BYOB. Um, so, but. We impromptu tried to go out Saturday night. Kelsey and I went to a like brewery with some friends oh. on Saturday and had a couple beers. And then we were like, let's go get sushi. So we went to just like a chain sushi place that's near our apartment. Um, and we they told us 15 minutes when we got there to wait. And we were like, oh, yeah, like, OK, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. We were like severely underdressed because we were not there for Valentine's Day and everybody else was. Um, this place also has hibachi. So like the hibachi places, the tables were bumping. Ooh. We tried to get sushi. Uh, we legit probably waited, uh, 20 to 30 minutes for a table, which is fine. You know, whatever Valentine's day. And then we legit sat at the table for like 45 minutes and the server never talked to us. Wow. So we left. Oof. We, we went to the grocery store and we bought some frozen pizzas, man. And we came home and jammed out to frozen pizza. So that's Damn. my. That's my Valentine's Day story. I'm very did you, lucky. Did you ask to speak to the manager? No. And we felt bad. I mean, as someone who's worked in the service industry for many, many years. Um, That's a lot. You've us. never worked in the service industry. Oh, bite me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, we understood it. We felt bad. But it was the first time I've ever but, just like dipped. I mean, 45 minutes and the mm-hmm. server never even came to the table. Yep. And that was even like us going up to the host stand and like being like, oh. hey, we nobody's come over yet. So no sushi. Um, I think I think my wife's still a little upset about it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I would be. I mean, they owe you. They You should get comped something at some like with that. You know, she would be all about that free sushi. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you sat there for that long. You invested over an hour of your night and didn't even get served. It was Bush League. It was Bush yeah. League. It All is. right, Colin. That's enough about that. Let's get into the the meat of the podcast here. So this show, guys, is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, and the Fantasy Points Podcast itself. You can follow all of these shows on one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live. Or if you'd like, you can check out their weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Um, some news, Colin. This is just an embarrassingly bad news week. I would it presume is. part of it's the Super Bowl is just kind of dominated um, and everything related to that. Um, I know um, on our college fantasy podcast here on the network, Chase and the Natty, that, that Jared hosts... Uh, I was our, I was the guest this week, and we had to do a mailbag because there was just nothing to talk about. Um, 
so we have like some very small items here. They're like they're the most like inconsequential thing ever. But we'll we'll talk about all four of them here real quick, and then we'll talk about maybe some ADP trends that we're seeing. Uh, Brock Bowers shoulder surgery. It sounds like a labrum issue. Uh, the shoulder has been bothering him for a while. He's going to be out for spring. Uh, the Georgia coaches don't think it's going to be a big deal. Apparently, Nicobe Dean had the same exact thing last offseason. Uh, had surgery around the same time, missed spring, uh, and I think we all know how he played this year. Um, any, I mean, what, what we doing anything with this news? Filing into the, uh, you know, not not so worried about it. Yeah, filing into the not so worried about it. You know, something to just maybe keep an eye on. You know, poke around as as spring goes on. But you know, there's going to be so much other news that comes out in the spring that this is going to be get pretty easily forgotten about. Really not that worried about it. You know, from everything, it sounds like you said it sounds like a labrum issue. That's not really going to be a long-term issue or shouldn't be. You know, he should be able to get the surgery if he truly rests through spring, which given that he was, you know, one of, if not their best playmaker this year, they would be smart to just sit him out for the rest of spring. He already has chemistry with Stetson Bennett. He doesn't really need to go out there and, and build that up. So just let him rest for, you know, four months. Work him back in as July or as June and July start rolling around. And then I think he'll be fine by by fall. The one thing I will say that I think this hurts a little bit is his likely pursuit of weight gain. Mm, that's true. I'm interested to see. You know, I think it'll be obviously very difficult for him to do any sort of upper body um, lifting. Uh, or, or anything like that. So um, might put a damper on that. So I think that is the only interesting question that would come from out of this for me, because yeah, I don't have any issues about this, you know, affecting him uh, long-term, even though, you know, obviously I am a doctor, as I say all the time on the mm -hmm. show. Uh, I'm actually sitting here recording this in my stethoscope and white uh, jacket and mm -hmm. all of that yeah, clipboard. Yeah. Um, so yeah mm -hmm. there's like a nice little like one of the tables behind you with like the sheet of paper exactly just painting a visual for everybody else i just lay on that sometimes and that's yeah, all the further I... i'm gonna go on that because i could go a lot further on that <laughs> um so next up here um so conference usa uh how should we put this is uh, falling apart completely to the point where it's just embarrassing um there have been some issues with discussions breaking down uh, a lot of the teams that were in there already had said they were leaving, but I think it was planned more for 2023 than 2022. Um, I don't know exactly what these discussions entail, like, you know, uh, TV money this year on the way out, what they need to pay. I, I don't know exactly what the negotiations are, but they broken down apparently. So Marshall, Old Dominion and Southern Miss all plan on leaving this year. I don't know how many of the statements that I read were specific about scheduling for the year i know oh which one was it i think it was odus that said like they were just gonna like they're gonna be an independent this year i'm pretty sure mm -hmm. i don't think they're gonna switch over to wherever they were going tbd uh on some of these other ones um this is an interesting story i don't know if there's any fantasy impact here really i mean maybe there's some schedule shuffling so if you've got you know you're already starting to pick out like your best ball drafts you know maybe you're pumping the brakes on that till that kind of gets settled out yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it's overall, it's nothing that's going to impact 
things too much outside of, you know, like you said, some schedule shuffling around here uh, with Grant Wells leaving Marshall. Really, the only guy that we were interested there is um, Ali, Rashin Ali, ODU. You know, we like uh, the tight end, Zach Kuntz, um, former Penn State player. But really, that's the only piece there that you're interested in at all. Southern Miss doesn't really have anybody you're interested in. Sorry, Frank Gore Jr. So that's quarterback uh, Frank Gore Jr. to you. Good point. Um, As the person who broke down Conference USA for our conference previews last year, there's not a lot going on there. So and guys have have left since then. So it's it's pretty barren. It's a short article for you, though, huh? I mean, my articles are never short. You, no. it, you know me. I'm very long-winded, even in my writing. Yes, it's. We're working on it. We're working on it, as the kids say. Um, I'm perfect, but unfortunately, not everybody else can be. So I'm helping everybody else with all of their flaws. I'm a nice yeah. guy. A lot of a uh, lot of unsolicited uh, editing advice. My wife really likes it. Flew through the uh, flowed through the the, the chat as we. <laughs> put some things together which by the way oh we've kind of been talking about we have this big project we announced it to the discord today we did and we will be announcing it to the world tomorrow aka probably when you're listening to this um if not as you're listening shortly after um that's all so check twitter check twitter I, uh, I know I really like to just like drop news on this on the show here, mm-hmm. um, but we're not going to do it this week. We're not going to do it. Um, the other guys will probably kill us. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Luke Fickle <laughs> signing a contract extension. At, uh, since he is going to keep him there for over $5 million annually until 2028. Um Again, I don't know if this contract means that much because if he really wants to go, I think he's going to go and it's going to be at a school that can afford to buy that out. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess it, it keeps him there this year, but I think at this point all the, the positions are filled. I, I don't think we thought we, he was going anywhere, did we? No, not really. Um, I mean, I know there had been some rumors that if he if Harbaugh left Michigan, he could have possibly been a name that floated around there. Uh, but I mean, we've talked about it before. He's pretty set on being very selective on which job he takes. So this, I think, just in you know served as a pay raise for him as a you know here's a little bit of extra money since you got us to the playoff. Um, because the the length of contracts nowadays for coaches is largely meaningless. They can just kind of leave whenever they want. So yeah. Yeah, though apparently, apparently the schools can't always afford to buy him out. Though, Uh, see uh, Harson Bryan down at (laughs) Auburn. um, For anybody that (laughs) that wants evidence of that, I guess we're not really going to talk about that that much. But Brian Harson staying at Auburn, I don't think that. I think everything that we said last week holds true. Maybe even more because now it's even more of a cluster um, because he's actually still going to be there. Um, But that's like completely just a completely different story. Uh, Last coaching news here, Colin Dana Holgerson head coach of Houston has reportedly agreed verbally to a contract extension. I don't know. Like, I think at this point, Holgerson has been around enough that we kind of know what he is. Like at Houston's probably his level. So I, I again, this is kind of like fickle. Like I don't, he wasn't going to go anywhere this off season. If a team really wants him, I think they'll buy him out anyway, but you know, he'll be at Houston. So we can continue to pump up Matthew golden because he'll probably still be there in two years time. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is good news for all of your Houston Cougar assets. You know, your Nathaniel Dells, Matthew Golden, Clayton Toon, uh, McCaskill. I was going to say, oh, don't forget, don't forget McCaskill. I got you. Uh, yeah. All of those guys. I think that's good news for, for all of them. Um, it'll be very interesting to keep an eye on who is going to be the heir to Clayton Toon because Dana Holgerson typically traditionally puts out some, some fantasy relevant uh, assets. It feels like it'll be a transfer, right? I feel yeah, like, yeah. like, what what's this kid Morris who's at TCU? Chandler Morris. When he inevitably doesn't win that job, like Houston feels like the kind of place that he would go. You don't um, think he wins that job? No. He has a even though he has a rapport with uh, Garrett Riley, who's the new OC there. No, Garrett Riley he, was. I don't think he wins that job. Oklahoma no. recruited. Chandler Morris there. You can keep saying things to me and no, I don't think that he's going to be the guy there. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't think that actually. Um, Your big Max Dugan stan. I've been Max Dugan's biggest. No, I'm not a big Max Dugan fan. <laughs> people thought I was. So last off season, people were tweeting out like, who's the next Joe Burrow? And people were tweeting out names that just were obviously not the, like the next Joe Burrow has to be a guy that is like, has been in college for like three years, like has like done nothing. And then one day just wakes up and is like, I'm going to play football like well today. And they do that. Um, and P- so I was like, it's going to be somebody like Max Dugan or something. And everyone was like, oh, like I was like, notice my phrasing. Somebody like Max Dugan or something. This was not a a a. Uh, you heard it here first. Max, Max Dugan tweet. Max Dugan is the next Joe Burrow. Well, the other Super name Super Bowl I, bound in two years. The other name I put was Tanner Mordecai. So mm. I batted five hundred on that, even though Tanner Mordecai is clearly not Joe Burrow. Like he had a you know was statistically relevant last year uh, in terms of college fantasy football. Statistically relevant's a little harsh. He was he was very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last year, you know, if only there was a. Somebody who had been pumping him up all offseason. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I was wondering how long I could sit there, but I feel like we would just play the game of chicken and would have had to go back and cut a bunch you're, of episodes as we just uh, yeah, sat we absolutely, and at each other. We absolutely would have. You're and yep. this is you're, you're driving this show, so that's on yeah. you. That's a poor reflection on you. Don't be a backseat driver. Nobody asked. For that um okay guys so i mean this isn't going to be a super long show tonight because like we said there's not that much to talk about and this is kind of that dead period where i think we're not going to see that much transfer portal action until spring starts happening and guys start realizing they're probably not going to win jobs um or maybe Kyle there's a new McCord coaching tweet. staff and now they don't really vibe with the coaching staff they gave him a chance who would you say this, this was a what kyle mccord tweet yeah, it could be a comic core tweet. Um, could be a Chandler Morris tweet. It could be an anybody we want tweet or you know comment. That's that's <laughs> the best part about it. Um, so what I did, guys, for this tonight is I I went through. I chose at, at two pairs at each position, and each pair I tried to choose two players that are probably pretty close in ADP. Or, and basically, we're going to discuss which one would you rather have. 
because on Valentine's Day, everybody likes a good ultimatum and they really like if you make them choose one or the other. Mm -hmm. uh, in my experience, at least, that's how mm -hmm. that's how it's been. I think that's um, most of us. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that, that I'm not the only one on that. So so I guess we'll just start off here, Colin. I, I have two quarterback pairings. The first one is a lot of fun. I think we're both going to have the same answer for this. But I think <laughs> getting this discussion on record is going to be good early in the offseason here. Um, so either somebody can come back and laugh at us or uh, when we're right in October, we can retweet the clip. So looking at our ADP right now, the Clemson quarterbacks, DJ Uyunglele, the returning starter there for Clemson, quarterback 11 currently in our ADP, 52.3 overall. So early fifth round. Or would you rather have DJU at that ADP or Cade Klubnik, who's going as quarterback 15, 76.6 overall. So it's only a four quarterback difference, but it's about, you know, two rounds difference between the two of them. Cade's going early seventh. Yeah, I think this is a pretty, pretty easy one here. Like you said, I think we're both going to have the same answer. Give me Cade Klubnik at that price. Um, you know, for one reason being DJU fell flat on his face this year. He is, he, he just, he's a long shot to rebound like that. You just, you don't see players who performed that poorly, that typically bounce back the following year. You know, like you've said a couple times before by, you know, virtually every metric, he was a bottom hundred quarterback or, you know, bottom, bottom, bottom 10. Like there's yes. a lot of quarterbacks that are bottom hundred. Um, yes. So he is ranked in the hundreds by virtually every metric there. Uh, and then, you know, like you've also said before, Dabo has a quick hook. You know, he he's not afraid to pull a guy if they're not performing up to snuff and he has a, a viable option behind him. And I think that's what Cade Klubnik is. Uh, I still am not the biggest Cade Klubnik fan. You know, I, I still think there's... I have some minor concerns here, but I do like him. I think this is going to be a good opportunity for him to see the field fairly early and then give me two rounds later, you know, sign me up for that. But even if Cade Klubnik doesn't see the field, even if they let DJU struggle all year, uh, you know, freshman quarterbacks, Chris Moxley tweeted it out today. Um, freshman quarterbacks have a tendency to retain their value for the most part. Um, you know, from one to the next, from one from year one to year two, uh, especially if they haven't gotten a chance to get on the field. People remember them; they draft them highly, and as the twenty as the class leaves off to the NFL, they typically stay right where they are. Because you'll have some guys jump them, uh, you'll have some guys fall, but those guys mostly stay status quo. So his value, Kate Klubnik's value, is also insulated. Um. So I think. You made you you said something there that that made me think of something that I haven't really thought of in this debate before, and I'll get to my answer here in a second. But I think Cade Klubnik's skill set actually kind of meshes with the wide receiver group that they have there right now very well. They don't have a lot of guys that really win deep consistently, and that's Klubnik's biggest weakness anyway. Mm -hmm. Like I think that was kind of what Clemson really kind of lacked that big playmaker last year. So I think in a way 
what they have there almost is more well suited to Cade Klubnik's strengths, where you know he's not the toolsiest guy, um, but he might mesh a little bit better with what they have. I I tend to agree. I've been saying, you know, I, I finally sat down today and I looked at the schedule because I tweeted out, you know, I think Cade Klub or uh, DJU has a better chance to be replaced by Cade Klubnik this year than he does to return at his ADP right now. Um, and then I went and looked at their schedule because someone said, you know, well, where, when do you think he could be replaced? And the problem is, like, their schedule is very, very weak, even with Dabo having that really quick hook. Um, their, their opening uh, portion of the season here, they have at Georgia Tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech, at Wake Forest, NC State, at Boston College, at Florida State, Syracuse. Now, there are some, you know, landmine-ish games there. But uh, NC State's the one that really sticks out. I, don't, I, I think Wake Forest, you know, kind of rode some some luck last year. I'd be pretty surprised if they're as good as they were last year. Um, Boston College, you know, can catch someone on a bad day with, with Jerkovic and Zay Flowers and those guys coming back. Syracuse, maybe, again, same thing. They, can they catch somebody with Sean Tucker or Garrett Schrader? Because um, they're kind of a, a unique offense. But really, I mean, there's no big games there the the bye week comes after syracuse though and then that's when i think things get real they have at notre dame versus louisville versus miami versus south carolina i think a lot of those teams are teams that we expect to be better than they were last year and none of them were bad last year um so i think that's the stretch with that open week before them that if DJU has not already received the hook and he is not playing well, I think that's when you you say we're going to roll with Cade. We're going to give him the week of practice to get the first team snaps, and then we're going to roll him out. It's also very cruel to rule him out against Notre Dame. So that's like I think that there's some moving parts here, but that's uh, so week eight is what I've been saying. And it turned out when I looked at the schedule, week eight probably works out just because of the nature of their schedule and not because I'm a genius as I've been saying this. Yeah. I think like you said, the one landmine early on in the schedule, the biggest one that would be, it would be NC state um, Bill Connolly's S and P um, returning production. Uh, I believe they, they were 15th. Um, they return a lot of guys from last year's team who performed pretty well. So I think if there's any early trip up, it could be that one. So maybe they get a trip up there and then, you know, they kind of coast through a couple of those other softer matchups, but don't really blow anybody away. And then, yeah, I could see, I could see a hook coming in, you know, in that bye week stretch right before they hit uh, the the tough part of their schedule. So I I think that's a very reasonable spot to project Cade Klubnik take over at the starter. And, And the thing about it is, and again, like not, I mean, I feel bad because I think, you know, DJ fought some some issues that were outside of his control last year, but I think he's also largely to blame for some of their issues. But it's just known that Dabo is, it will, will play the best player, like no matter what. He is actually one of the few coaches, you know, we – I don't really like Dabo, but he's the kind of guy you need at a big program who's just going to play the best player no matter what. He's not a Dan Mullen or a – um I'm trying to think of some other coaches. James like Franklin. Yeah, like there, there are coaches out there, <laughs> you know, fairly big schools that will always play the senior. Um, 
So I kudos to him for doing that. And he did it with Kelly Bryant. I went and looked. DJ's season last year was worse than any than the season Kelly Bryant had when he got hooked. So, right. But I also think Trevor Lawrence is better than Kate Klubnick. Probably. But I mean, I, let's presume after a couple of games that they've already lost one or two. I mean, the season's over. They pulled DJ against Pitt last year mm-hmm. for Tyson Fomachan, who is not a very good quarterback. Like, I think Kate Klubnick's a lot better than him. So I you know if there's a game where he's just flat and Cade comes in and, and has a drive or two, like I think that's that's all Dabo needs. And I don't think he'll go back. Like usually mm-hmm. when he makes that decision, like he's seen enough that he says, if we're gonna take some lumps, we'll take them with the new guy. I it's just it, it's not necessarily an indictment of DJ, and I don't even like DJ anymore. It's just a simple knowing that coach and knowing what he does like i and i think it's so difficult to see massive bounce back from dju like massive massive he was on in an epa per play basis i believe he was a it was the sixth or seventh worst quarterback in all of fbs last year guys like the the players that were around him are Players that you would laugh, <laughs> like you would not ever be interested in having this player on a C2C roster or even starting for your favorite college team. And I think we're, we're a trip, you know, we, we've got this, you know, draft capital, high, high school into college draft capital in our heads that maybe we should ignore and, and let this player slide. I'm going to be on this all offseason, I think. I think mm-hmm. he's just the most egregiously bad value in our ADP currently. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I think at this point, your best bet is to hope for a DJU transfer somewhere else, and maybe somebody can refine those tools and you know get a fresh change of scenery. I think that's kind of what you got to hope for at this point. Basically, yeah. So that that fingers crossed, and we don't. Maybe wish, he's. I mean, maybe he's the next like. Joe Burrow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, I just really blew my mind with that one, Colin. <laughs> Um, waiting, waiting a year, uh, a year and whatever for you to finally do that. And you brought it, brought it when is I least the, expected is, it. Is this going to be uh Colin makes a good point? <laughs> someone's going to send us a message like, well, I don't know if you knew this. Like, <laughs> you don't know if you knew this, but like, idiot. Um, <laughs> next, our, our second quarterback pairing here, I think is a, 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 another fun one for, for some different reasons. So the pairing is Malik Cunningham who's going as quarterback 22 in our ADP currently 111.5 overall or Hendon Hooker, who's going as quarterback 32 overall, 137.3 overall. Now last year, Malik Cunningham, uh, as you so uh, kindly uh, put here for me, Colin, scored 31.3 fantasy points per game. Uh, Chris Moxley is keen to point out that there is probably some touchdown regression coming on his behalf. Hendon Hooker, 24.8 fantasy points per game, and of course took that job a couple games into the season. Um, So which guy would you rather have here, Colin? See, this one is a really, really interesting one because if you just said straight up, uh, I would probably still take Malik Cunningham, even with the expected touchdown regression coming, because um, I don't know how much of an NFL prospect I think either of them are. I do. I would probably lean towards Hooker um, over Cunningham, 
uh, in terms of the NFL side of things. So that's a, you know, a, a check for, for Hendon Hooker, but then also being able to get Hooker 26 spots later, you know, over two rounds later, I think that makes me lean Hendon Hooker uh, because that 24.8 fantasy points per game, it is skewed a little bit. Like you said, he didn't take over until later in the season. Uh, and then he didn't really get cooking until down the stretch. So I do think I do think I would take Hendon Hooker here. Um, so that's not what I thought you were going to say. Uh, because I would also rather have Hendon Hooker. And I would take Hendon Hooker even if the ADPs were flipped, I think. Hmm. I'm going to be on record as saying that. Tennessee is going to have one of the highest scoring offenses in the country this year. I don't think that's bold. And it's just going to be an offense that I want a lot of for C2C this year and the inevitable CFF leagues that I get dragged into um, by our new (laughs) CFF crew at the site. Um, I was on with Jared yesterday. We're breaking out some of the CFF ADP that we have. Uh, Hooker and Tillman both kind of go like early, mid, third round in those drafts. And I said, if I'm sitting at the turn there, the two, three turn, I'm taking both of them. I'll take that stack, and I don't even care. Um, And I'm walking out of that very, very happy Um, because I think they're going to both be huge scorers. And I I think, you know, assessing quarterbacks is a crapshoot. We maybe too often just toss around, you know, this is an NFL guy. This is a college only guy. This is, you know, whatever. I think if you're drafting either of those guys with the expectation that they're NFL, they're big NFL futures. I think that's a mistake, but I there's, it's not no NFL potential there, but I, you know, I, so I, you know, like I, I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't sit here and if you said which quarterback has a better chance of being a starting NFL quarterback for more than you know a year or two. I don't know because I don't know that either of them truly have that great of a chance at it, but I, it's not impossible. So I, I think Hooker is going to be in the better offense next year. Uh, uh, give me Hooker. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, that's really late for him, by the way. One hundred thirty-seven point mm-hmm. three overall. I actually expect that to climb a little bit. I bet he yeah. finishes inside the top one hundred. By all, when all is said and done on it, like I, I, I yeah. there are a couple guys in our top 100 that I think he probably Maybe right should around be going there. over. I mean, I would take him over right now. He's still going behind Brock Vandergriff. I think that'll adjust. I would take him over Brennan Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I think he has a better season than Brennan Armstrong. I think I think I would take him over Seth Hennigan. Mm-hmm. I would probably take him over Drake May. I would definitely take him over Ty Thompson. I know that's a sore subject for you. I probably would take him over Jake Hayner just because of the rushing upside. So that's, you know, what did I just name? Like seven quarterbacks right off the top of my head that, that I would take him over. And I, I don't think any of those are bold calls per se. No, I don't necessarily think either of those are bold calls as well. I have, uh, I don't have my rankings put up here in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I have Hendon Hooker ranked ahead of all of them. Even Ty Thompson, who I am not ready to write off yet, but I do. I, I just would take I just I gave Ty Thompson the old drop. How far? Now you're gonna make me pull up my quarterback mm-hmm. rankings as we're chatting here. I think um, I have. I think I have him at like thirty for me. Twenty nine. I made some. Like I made big adjustments, and we talked about we did our our our, our first kind of big rankings update of the offseason. 
but I, you know, there's, there's some news already coming out about these kinds of things. You hear rumors about stuff. Like I was talking to some, was, well, I was listening in on a conversation today. I wasn't really <laughs> participating in it uh, between Nate Marquise, uh, Chris K and um, uh, CFF guys. I'm blanking on his name right now. Josh, Josh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Josh was saying that he kind of, you know, has like a loose connection to SMU's program. And he was saying that there were a lot of times last year where Tanner Mordecai was close to losing that job. And Preston Stone is good friends with Kamar Wheaton, which got Kamar like there's some interesting stuff going on behind the scenes there. So he said he's not, Hmm. you know, baking into his rankings yet, but he wouldn't be surprised if Preston Stone ends up getting that job. I kind of written off Preston Stone for a year. So I kind of, you know, bumped up him up a couple spots, probably dropped Tanner Mordecai a couple spots, like two or three, you know, for, for either way for those guys, just kind of, you know, reacting to that. Uh, adjusted a couple other guys as well. So right now I have, I have Hendon Hooker as my QB nine. Mm-hmm. I have Malik Cunningham as QB 19. I have Ty Thompson as, oh man, you're going to hate me. Where'd he go? Ty Thompson is QB 38. Okay. That's not as low as I thought you were going to go. It's not significantly lower than me. Like I'm not sitting here saying Ty Thompson is, you know, the next Joe Burrow. Um, But maybe he is. I think I I, know, but but for real though, I, I do recognize that he's now in a much worse situation than he was last year where I think our big disagreement on that is, you know, his projection into the starting role had Mario Cristobal still been there. Um, that's that's my big disagreement there with you. But I, I fully acknowledge that, uh, you know, he is in a much worse situation now. And maybe he's one of the guys who enters the portal in the spring, you know, when he doesn't really like the where he's standing with the new coaching staff. I think that's something that we could see. Yeah, I don't know where to reassess, go, but um, definitely would be an interesting discussion to have. Mm-hmm. All right, so there are our quarterbacks. A couple of running back pairings here. Um, this one I think is really good because I think this is like a it dead is. heat, and I think we're probably going to choose opposite of each other, but it's very, very close. Tavion Thomas running back at Utah is RB32 currently in our ADP, uh, 73.8 overall, or... Zach Charbonnet, who's RB37, so only five five back difference there, 79.5 overall. So there's just a big old line in our in our ADP apparently between 74 and 79 that like a, a handful of running backs go. Um, so which uh, last year, Tavion Thomas, 18.2 fantasy points per game. Zach Charbonnet, 18.8. Charbonnet gets that backfield probably to himself. Thomas obviously came on late down the stretch. Utah as a whole came on down the stretch there um which guy do you prefer here calling it at basically identical adp it's pretty easily zach charbonnet for me um i think that he had a nice year last year at ucla i think he's going to repeat that performance um from last year he had he averaged 18.8 fantasy points per game. I think that's actually even a little bit low. I think we could even see that rise up a little bit, you know, over, you know, right around maybe the 20 mark, uh, maybe right around like the 20 fantasy points per game. Tavian Thomas, not very far behind him at 18.2. I think that's another guy who could also rise in that realm as well. But so that they are very close, but 
in terms of college production, but I, I do think I see more NFL future in Zach Charbonnet uh, than I do Tavian Thomas. Um, Charbonnet did it for uh, early in his career at Michigan, then had a down year, the sophomore year. Um, and I don't really mind for running backs returning that much. You know, it's not it's not quite the death knell that it is for wide receivers. Um, so it's it's fairly comfortably Charbonnet here for me, but that doesn't mean I don't like Tavian Thomas. I have Tavian Thomas as my RB um, 23 right now. Um, I updated those a couple days ago. I have Zach Charbonnet as, at 10. I don't love that wow. spot. He's That's probably high. going. He's probably going to fall for me once I figure out some things in the spring. But the reason he's at 10 is just kind of because once I took out the class of 2022, that's kind of like where he was. And I moved some guys up that I like a lot and I've had some guys fall. So he didn't really move too much out of that spot. I think he will fall some spot, a couple spots because I don't think I would take him as the RB 10. So I, I have, and I didn't include him in here because he goes a little bit later, but I, I have Tavion Thomas 21 in my rankings, Zach Charbonnet 22 and Lou Nichols 23. And I think, you know, trying to project which one of those guys ends up scoring the most this year. I, I think, you know, Lou Nichols probably takes a, a bit of a step back this year, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Tavion Thomas, can he continue to score touchdowns at the rate he was scoring last year? I think he's going to be the big one. Um, Charbonnet obviously is the one that like the, the situation gets better quote unquote mm-hmm. for him compared to the other two. Um, man, if Tavion Thomas was just a little bit faster, I would have a lot of faith in him as like a long-term guy, but he's just not fast at all. And you don't have to be like a burner to be a running back, but like he's noticeably not fast. He's a great college running back. Probably I would have a really hard time seeing him go before like the sixth round and the pros um, like Benny Snell is like best case. Like he probably moves laterally a little better than Benny Snell, but like as an athlete, he's not great. Um, so yeah, I mean, just Nate, like I said, 21, 22 in my rankings, I guess nominally give me Tavion Thomas. Um, but I think it's pretty close, but I do think, I think Thomas does outscore him this year by mm, 20 to 30 points. And that's the difference. Cause I, 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 I'm a little lower on Zach Charbonnet than you are when it comes mm. to his pro potential. Mm. Um, so that's with that, with those two things in mind, give me Tavion. But like, I think that's a really fair tier for them, actually. Like, yeah, you know, in the 60s, 70s, and in, in these drafts, that feels pretty good trying to balance the 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 upside long term of both of them. Yeah, I completely agree. Man, I'm looking at these my rankings right now. I have Demarcus Bowman too high too. I gotta, yeah, I gotta I just go dropped him here. like 20 spots. Yeah, I gotta go through here and update these. Um, update these tonight. Because there's just some once you like I said, once you took out the 2022 class, like some guys rose up that probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have to I'll have to do some work on this. But I don't see Zach Charbonnet falling outside my top 20 running backs. Um, so I think he will stay ahead of Davion Thomas for me. Okay. Um second running back pairing here, Colin. This is a fun one. It I is. don't know why I chose this one, but I, I think it's a good discussion. Um, because I think as I'm looking at this, George Petaway might be my favorite running back value right now, or at least very close to it. So George Petaway, for those that don't know, is a freshman running back uh, who's going to be going in to UNC this year. Um, he is, I believe, a top 10 consensus back for us at C2C in the class. Um, 5'11", 190-ish. He is the Michael Carter, if we're thinking about kind of how uh, UNC running backs have been lately. Uh, he probably will 
take that role because they have a lot of Javante Williams's uh, stylistically on the team and, and, and no Michael Carter. So it figures that he can probably get some, some playing time there early. Um, he's going as RB 86 right now for us, which I think again, with these, with these freshmen that retain their value, that's probably too low for him. 179.8 overall. So you can have George Petaway there or Carson Steele running back at ball state. He's RB 90 in our ADP so far, 188.7 overall. So, you know, a 10 point gap, more or less, basically a round difference between the two. Um, Carson Steele came on at the end of last year, averaged about 12 fantasy points per game, uh, but didn't really take that job for his just by himself until like week five or six or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, Colin, which guy do you have here? Um, give me George Petaway here. I think, and, and it's fairly comfortable for me as well. Like, I'm not the biggest Petaway fan. You know, like you said, he is a little bit more Michael Carter ish. I don't necessarily know what his long-term NFL ceiling it looks like. Um, but I think it's better than Carson Steele's. And George Petaway maybe doesn't produce this year at all because it is kind of a logjam at running back there. But the production that I'm going to get from Carson Steele, and, and I do like Carson Steele. I think he's going to be a good CFF producer. But the production I can get from him, uh, I can find later two you know i could get um i could get a penny boone um i could get a cam wiley you know i could get somebody like that that's going to go a little bit later um and just get the same amount of production or better potentially so i i don't yeah it's it's pretty comfortable there for me pretty 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 easily pet away so I, I agree, obviously, but I'm, you know, I think for a lot of the same reasons that you just said to give the, you know, flip side of the argument um, for the for the people. Um, Ball State has generally relied on Justin Hall and to a lesser extent, Johannes Tyler over the past couple of years. Hall is gone. To my knowledge, Johannes Tyler is back. Um, to my knowledge. I have zero idea what's going to replace him if they're both gone. But I think that offense will focus a little more on the run uh, going into next year. You know, last year they ran the ball um, about 35 times a game. So not like pretty middle of the pack in terms of, you know, uh, rushing volume goes. Um, And Steele, he, you know, he had double the carries of the next guy there on the roster. Um, and I think it probably would have been higher than that again if he had taken that job earlier in the year. I mean, his last uh, handful of games of the season, uh, he – oh, man, where did it go here? He had like 27, 21, 20, 25, 15 carries in his last five. It's pretty good volume. He had 100 yards in two of those and a couple yards short in another. Um, I think if he can score – you know, increase his touchdown output, uh, touchdown output a little bit. Only scored six. If you can get that up to you know ten to twelve, that's a decent player. And he was probably underrated a little bit coming out of high school because he did have an injury late in his high school career. Um, so you know, probably not as bad, quote unquote, of a player as the the initial ranking suggested. So I can see an argument there. You know, and like you said, Petaway is undersized. Maybe he ends up being nothing. Um, I personally don't believe that. I think he'll have a, a, a very nice career there at UNC, but who is to say? Yeah, agreed. Um, 
wide receiver. We didn't choose choose any tight ends. We're back to the the ignoring tight ends thing. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. uh, for at least a few more weeks. We already talked um, tight ends on the show. We talked Brock Bowers the open. Seriously, how much more do you want from me? Yeah. Um. Good. So two wide receivers here. I think this is a really interesting one because I think you're higher on one of these guys than I am. Um. Cedric Tillman, wide receiver, fifty nine in our ADP, one hundred fifty eight overall. Cedric Tillman, obviously a Tennessee. Um, was their leading receiver last year and is on his way back this year? Or would you rather have Adonai Mitchell, wide receiver 61 in our ADP, 160.5 overall? So basically back-to-back there. You, you're going to have to choose one or the other of these guys in a default setting. Colin, which of these two do you prefer? Um, I pretty comfortably prefer um, Tillman here. Damn, it's not what I thought you were going to say. Stop making me argue for the guy I don't want. Sorry, it's just, it's not, it's not even really particularly close for me. Um, I actually, I was just looking here. I'm kind of surprised I have Adonai Mitchell uh, where I do in my rankings. I have him as my wide receiver 30. Um, He's right in that clump with EJ Williams, Marcus Roseme. Um, So guys who are at big schools who have good, recruiting pedigrees but you know you don't really love the production that you'll probably get from them in the college side of things so those all three honestly probably need to drop for me um like i said i need to do some work on my rankings here but i mean cedric tillman i have as my wide receiver 22 i think he has an outside shot to be the wide receiver one in fantasy this year but more realistically i still see him as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver on the college side i think that's going to help him get drafted in the NFL, probably still a day three guy. I don't think I see him getting day two draft capital, but you know, he'll be on an NFL roster. So maybe something happens there, but it's really the CFF production. And like we just saw with Georgia this year, their wide receivers just don't really put up big fantasy numbers, you know? Um, even when it was really the George Pickens show, he really wasn't putting up that many like that. Those that greatest statistics, I think Adonai Mitchell probably is the wide receiver one or two there at least, but I don't know the production that that's going to lead to. So, yeah, give me give me Tillman, especially given that they're this close in ADP. But I really think Tillman's ADP is going to climb. Um, I did too. Yeah. Probably another three rounds, maybe four. I think he gets inside 120, you know, close to 100 overall. Depends how many drafts I do. Because um, I will definitely raise that up. Um, so Adonai Mitchell had a lower weight weighted dominator than I thought he did last year as a true freshman. He was only uh, 11%, basically. Um, Cedric Tillman has was not close to any sort of breakout by virtually any meaningful production uh, statistic. Uh, until year four last year, where he hit 33% weighted dominator, uh, was was close on yards per team pass attempt as well. Um, so Tillman is literally a one year buy, and I think I would still rather have him. Not that I'm low per se on Adonai Mitchell. Um, I just, I Stetson Bennett, and I don't, I don't love what's careful him right now. Tread lightly behind him right now. 
So, I mean, is it Brock Vandergriff, who I don't think much of? I think that's well documented at this point. Gunnar Stockton, who is not ready. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I, I think I would rather have Tillman in that range as well. Um, yeah, pretty easily in that range. Um, very different archetype. You know, you as a Debbie, if you're a you know a heavy Debbie drafter throughout you know much of a draft, then you probably would rather have Adonai, but I, I would still advise take Cedric Tillman. Mm-hmm. Um, even if there's probably no NFL future there. Right. Well, like I said, I, I do think he's gonna get drafted. I think it'll be day three, but I think given the year that he's gonna put up, um, and you know, he's a bigger guy. So I think he'll he'll get drafted on an NFL roster. I don't think he'll ever do anything, but you know he'll be there. Last one here, and this is another fun one: two transfer wide receivers going to transfer to to G five transfer wide receivers that went from G five to P five. I think it's really interesting. They're beside each other. There might be some you know name recall as, as one goes, and then the other uh, tends to go right after. But Jacob Cowling going from UTEP to arizona wide receiver 27 in our adp 94.1 overall or a kanata mumfield former akron wide receiver headed to pit wide receiver 28 so literally back to back 97.9 overall um which do you have colin because again you're probably only getting one of these two guys yeah i have jacob cowing um again fairly comfortably here with kanata mumfield I like Kanata Mumfield. I do. Um, I just honestly, I wish he had gone somewhere other than Pitt because I think it's going to be the Jordan Addison show again for the most part. You know, they do bring in Slovis, so that helps to ease some of your quarterback concerns that you would have had with Kenny Pickett leaving. But I don't think that offense as a whole is going to be able to support two CFF relevant wide receivers. Um, you know, maybe Kanata Mumfield gets some decent weeks here and there, but I think it's going to be spotty. And I think you're going to be not, not be super comfortable starting him uh week in and week out. I, I think it's largely going to be the Addison show. And then on the flip side, cowing in Arizona, they bring in McMillan this year, but you know, who, who he'll have an opportunity to get on the field early, but he's very raw from a football standpoint. Um, and But they are bringing in Jaden Delara. So they get a significant upgrade at quarterback. They're going to be trailing because they're still not really a good team, despite, you know, putting some pieces together here, taking steps in a positive direction. They're still going to be trailing in a lot of games. I think it's going to lead to a lot of volume. And I, I, I like Jacob Cowing as a, as a CFF producer here. For the NFL, I don't really have a great gauge on either of them at this point, to be honest with you. So uh, with that in mind, just, yeah, definitely give me counting. I think both can end up having Khalil Shakir-ish value. Late day two, early round three, I think that's oh, probably where Shakir, yeah, I think it's probably where, where either of them go at this point. Um, I do have cowing higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Cowing as my wide receiver 39. And I have Konada as wide receiver 55. Um, so fairly close. Uh, some guys in between them, like you know, Miles Price, A.T. Perry, Dante Demas, um, E.J. Williams, the aforementioned guy we have no idea what to do with. Um, 
but yeah, I think Cowling probably has a better year. Um, I think, but it'll be interesting. You know, it wouldn't if you said that Mumfield ends up having the better year, that wouldn't you know shock me either. Uh, I think both of them probably can be ended like being like wide receiver three ish. Wide receiver threes, not like the wide receiver three. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably kind of the ceiling there, but uh, I, I don't know that for sure. I see a little bit of higher ceiling for Cowing, just like I said, like I think for the volume, I think his ceiling would be a wide receiver two, but I do think he's way more likely to be a wide receiver three or flex type of an option for you. Um, but yeah, it sounds like we're on the same page with that one. Yeah. All right. So that is going to do it for the main portion of our show tonight. We do each have a freshman profile here. We both chose running backs uh, going to a place where a starter is no longer there. They've moved on to the NFL. So maybe some vacated production uh, for Tavoris Jones or for Tevin White. Yeah. So the running back I'm going to talk about is Tavoris Jones uh, running back going to Missouri uh, he's a four-star guy. He is the number 13 in the composite um, out of Texas, out of El Paso, Texas. Checks in at 5'10", 195. I think the 195 actually might be a little bit high um, because he has a slight lower frame. Uh, he has a thinner lower half. I, I think he needs to bulk up there a little bit. Um, I think he has the frame to get up to 205. Maybe. Uh, I don't think I ever see him getting bell cow size, though. But his skill set isn't necessarily that of a bell cow back. Uh, I think he has very good speed. You can see him pulling away from defenders on his way to the end zone pretty regularly. He gets his good acceleration. He gets up to top speed quickly. Um, so I think he's a good athlete. Uh, I think he moves pretty fluidly. He's got good open field vision, um, finds running lanes, he follows, sets up and follows blocks. Uh, you know, his, his patience lacking at times, uh, but you know, there's, there's enough there that I think as he starts to develop a little bit more, I think that that's going to be fine. I don't think it's a negative for him, but the biggest thing that I like out of Tavoris Jones is I think he's a fantastic receiver out of the backfield. They line him up out wide. They have him run routes. He tracks the ball. Well, he goes up and gets the ball as a receiver, um, you know, he had 33 catches as a sophomore in high school. Uh, then he did only play six games his junior year uh, because of uh, COVID. Uh, the school he played for, which is in El Paso, uh, limited a significant number of their games. So only had eight receptions. But then his senior year here, uh, he had 30 catches for just under 600 yards. So 19.9 yards per reception there, 54 receiving yards per game. He also had uh, over 1,600 yards rushing on 142 carries for 11.8 yards per carry, 152 yards per game. So he averaged over 200 scrimmage yards per game uh, in high school in Texas. So that means something. He's going to Missouri, who just lost Tyler Beatty. But I think he could be a very Tyler Beatty-esque running back in his role. Missouri uses the running back in the passing game a lot. So I think he has a pretty easy path to CFF relevance. Maybe he doesn't get that this year. They do have Elijah Young there. Um, They have Taj Butts. 
Um, I think somebody else transferred in. I can't remember who that is, but they have a couple of guys there enough that I don't see him getting significant work, but I think year two, I think he can be the lead back for Missouri. And I think that that is something that's going to be very valuable for CFF purposes here. So I like Tavoris Jones a lot. And then if he can add some weight, I do see him having like a three down skill set or not a three down, a third down back skill set in the NFL as well. Yeah, he works out with Aaron Jones. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's probably like, you know, the hope uh, of what he ends up becoming. Um, He's my RB14 in the class right now. Um, sandwiched between some other really interesting names. I do think 210 is probably the max he can get up to. And I said that I think in uh, you know 205 is probably about where he ends up, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, I wish he was a slightly better athlete. My one complaint about him. Um, for his size, I, I just wish he was a little bit faster. But um, I think he's a guy that you get nothing out of year one, uh, maybe year two, if I had to guess. But mm-hmm. who knows what the zoo sometimes. Um, so as I said before, I chose Tevin White, running back. It's going to Arizona State. Um, Tevin White's moved down my rankings a little bit since I first did them. I'm not going to lie. Felix got in my head a little bit uh, about this guy. He's in my top 20 running backs right now, but he was up by like RB9, RB10. Um, and Tevin White is basically EJ Smith all over again, guys. If you uh, remember that at all or if you're familiar, EJ Smith is – going into his third year at Stanford. He is famously the son of Emmett Smith, um, but plays literally nothing like Emmett Smith. He was kind of a longer, lankier, almost RB wide receiver hybrid. Like his, his calling card coming out of high school was his receiving ability, EJ Smith. I mean, that's why he's had a hard time kind of taking on that role full time. And I think Tevin White has a lot of that in his game as well. He's 6'1", 200. So he kind of is that tall, leaner, EJ Smith, Rashad White-ish type build of a guy. Um, but he's a very, he's an excellent receiver. I think he's one of the better receivers in this class. He's very, very versatile. Um I think the big question with him is going to be, can he continue to develop as a rusher uh, to the point where, you know, again, he can take on a a large role in the rushing game. I don't think they'll need him too much this year with Xavier and Valade coming in uh, and then having Daniel Nada there as well. Those guys kind of cover a lot of the different things that they'll probably be looking for. But Valade, I believe this is his last year of eligibility. Uh, So, you know, can he step into that role next year? Who's to say? Um, but you know, I, I think the tools are there, you know, decent athlete again, he already is 200 pounds and he looks close. He looks 195 ish. So, you know, close to that. So he doesn't have a lot of weight gain to project there. I kind of suspect he ends up being more of a college only guy, but I don't want to count him out. Arizona state takes some weird body types and weird dudes and turns them into something. Um, so yeah, maybe he becomes something, maybe he doesn't. Um, actually we should probably look at their ADP, huh, Colin? Since we have, some yeah, nice, I mean, we could, nice we could do that. We're talking, we're talking two running backs, you know, and I think they're probably going in a fairly similar range. So, yeah, I think that would, uh, that'd be good. So, right now, um, Tavoris Jones is going at on average as RB20, 51 and a half overall. So, that's the, the 504. Um, Tevin White is going 68.2 overall, RB26. 
So about a, you know around round and a half difference there between the two of those guys, round and a half difference. Um, but not guys that you have to spend super early draft capital on. And again, when we do our freshman drafts, they only have freshmen in them. They we don't include any supplemental guys, obviously, because we can't recreate on average what your league probably looks like there. Uh, so there are probably even some other guys that that would slot in ahead of him, mm-hmm. depending on um, the setup of your league. So yeah, that's Tevin White. That's Tavoris Jones, um, and that's our show. Bye, everybody. No. Um, <laughs> be on the lookout tomorrow, guys. We do have that big announcement coming on our Twitter account at Campus2Canton, the number two. Um, check out everything over at Campus2Canton.com. Uh, $2.99 a month, $29.99 a year. Get you access to everything that we have there. And again, guys, we now have a full staff of CFF writers and content producers. We have a full staff of Devi writers. They're going to be putting out some very helpful uh, <laughs> things, whether it be rankings or ADP or articles or podcast. I mean, we've got a Devi podcast. We've got a CFF podcast. Like all of these things, guys, even if you don't really play in that many campus to Canton leagues, but you play in some Devi leagues or you play CFF leagues, I think all of this can be helpful to you. So go ahead, check all of that out. Um, the family of podcasts, the guys, go ahead, check all of those out. We've got Chasing the Natty. Jared Palmgren, we've, of course, got Campus Life and Canton Bound, the Campus to Kent podcast. We have the Debbie Debate uh, with Matt Bruning, Felix Sharp, and myself. Um, possibly another show joining us soon? Dot, 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 question Investors, mark. possibly <laughs> you. And we have Dwight's daily draft report currently going on right now, guys, for draft season. 10 to 15-minute daily shows that he has a new guest on every day, and they talk about a draft prospect coming up offense and defense. They're really nice quick hitters um, for those that kind of like shorter shows, you know, short car ride lunch, something they're there. Um, so go ahead, check those out as well, guys. Um, Colin, did I miss anything? Go check out the YouTube channel again, campus to Canton. We're pumping out a ton of videos over there. Uh, Matt Bruning, especially has done a really good job uh, uh, putting out, you know, a weekly mock draft, uh, all sorts of different mocks. Um, we've been doing different profiles on incoming freshmen, um, college all sorts football of stuff filtered. there, yeah, college football filtered our, our new, uh, so we've got so <laughs> much stuff going on now. Like I can't even name all this stuff. College football filtered. It's a new morning show, seven o'clock ish every single morning during the week. Chris Moxley hops on, uh, and gives like a 20 minute breakdown of what happened the day before in college football. Um, usually from his, you know, sarcastic, way that only chris moxley can really do um so go ahead yeah check that out. i mean it's just so much stuff guys it, mm-hmm. it really we really, really i mean for 2.99 like i'm sorry but i've seen patreons that charge like 20 bucks for like half of what we give you um yeah so seriously like go check all of it out um until next time though guys i'm austin and i'm colin i have a good one <laughs>